0: on?
1: What up, dude? What is going, what is going on, on in the world? Yeah, I heard about the dude that uh, <laughs> my man stole a cruiser this morning. What? Was that in our local area? It was in Quincy. It was actually in Quincy. <laughs> and <laughs> Jesus. And then they, they finished him, though. Oh, he got no. finished. It was like a GTA episode.
2: Damn. Is it all over the news? I love GTA. Yeah. That's my Dang, favorite game. I'm going to have to check that out. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah that. It's, it's, it's all over the news. He stole uh, one of the cruisers. It was not a stadium. Like like one of the Quincy police department. One of the Quincy guys. And then took them on a high-speed chase. Damn. And then they finally finished them. Yeah, they killed him in Rockland. In what? Rockland. So he ended Dang. up in Rockland.
2: Dang. Yeah. I mean, dude, when you start doing stuff like that, I feel like... You gotta expect you're probably gonna get finished. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's what they do. That's what they do in
1: GTA. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I mean I I gotta worry about that. If you're gonna live that kind of life, it's almost inevitable that, especially in these times, that
2: the guys ever wonder like what what's going through people's heads when they do
1: that stuff? No, what's going on in people's heads? Period.
2: <laughs> Dude, I, I actually was just saying too much Grand Theft Auto, man. I, no, I I think about that though, like all the time. Like literally today, I was thinking about this. Was like we just never know what's going on in somebody's head. You see so many people, and you meet so many people that are like, you know, they seem super happy, and then and then you know, boom, it happens. They commit suicide, they go on a rampage or like the shootings happened been happening. It's like,
1: whoa, what? But that's just the tip of the iceberg though, bro. Right? Like once you go under the water, you'll see that a lot of things accumulated before, oh, you know what I mean? It was like a culmination of things that ended up sending them to that place. Mm. Right? Where yeah. they have to shoot something up or throw a forty-five plate at someone's face. Yeah, you know
2: what I mean? Ooh, that happened? Damn. <laughs> no, what do you got to do to do that?
0: Oh, okay. Jesus Christ. Damn, I mean, I'm I'm I've joking. had a bad
1: day or two, I, but. I would not want to take a place. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. imagined that. That?
0: that? That's a little too extreme.
1: Did you guys watch Power?
2: No. What do you mean?
1: Power is the show 50 Cent produced? Oh, no. I haven't seen no. it. No. Oh, man. Yeah, I need to watch Power. It was like, that's not Yeah, it's on Showtime. No, is it Showtime? I forget. Oh, I don't got that channel. My mom. Sorry. Sorry, 50. There was a scene where they're in jail and then the dude bashes the other dude's face with a, I think it was either a 45 or a 25.
0: That's one way to go. Yeah. My dad actually never liked me playing Grand Theft Auto when I was little. Like he thought I was going to turn into, yeah, dude. I was 12 years old and it was my 12th birthday. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a funny story. So my grandma took, we went to Best Buy and she was going to get me like a couple games for just PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I remember I got like Madden and Two K, like because I was all into like playing just those sport games. Yeah. And then she was just like, "Go ahead, Mimi, pick anything you want." So like I'm like, "This game, this game," and then like I see Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and mm. yeah, <laughs>
1: that was a good one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I told the guy, you know how they have to kind of unlock the glass door and they gotta get it yeah, for yeah. you. I was just like that one. Like I kind of pointed. He looked at me, and then dude. he looked at my grandma, and he's like, "Okay." Yeah, and I'm dude. just like, "Oh yeah, dude, it was so funny." And I remember like he packaged it. I got it. I got home. I started playing it, and then a couple weeks went by, and then my dad comes in the room, you know, just say like, like, "Hey, what's up?" And then he's like, "What you playing?" And dude, the look on his face, like he was just like, "What's up?" You know. And then he looked at me, and he's just like where the fuck did you get this game? And dude, he like, oh man, he beat the shit out of me, man. I mean, he, he was so pissed. He gave me a business. Like, well, he was pissed because I got my grandma to buy it for me. And my grandma didn't know. So yeah. he was really just upset that I used my grandma to get the game. And it was funny, like a couple of years later, you know, my brother's like 12, 13, and then he's playing San Andreas. And I'm like, how come you're not being the shit out of him? And he's just yeah. like well, you know, we're not in Saltamani anymore because we were, you know, living in a not so great area. And when we moved to Marietta, like it was a little bit, you know, there's not gang beggars down the street and like drug dealers and stuff. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. he was more comfortable. Like, okay, my kids aren't in that environment anymore. They can play the game. They're not going to go doing a drive-by and going to a strip club because there is no strip club in Marietta. At least not that I'm aware of, but yeah, that's that's
1: our story on San Andreas. Dude, I used to love San Andreas because you could work out in San Andreas. Oh, yeah. And you yeah. could go to the gym and, and get buff and, and all yep. that. Muscle, stamina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you, can, you can do all that stuff. You
0: can run faster or longer.
1: Yeah, and then if you don't go to the gym, you get fat. Yeah. Right? And then his stamina goes down and all that. If, well, so if you don't go to the gym and you eat too much, which is great, right? If you go to the clucking bell, I think it was called the clucking bell, right? And if know. you just keep if you just keep eating and you're not working out, you see the character that just gets just gets real yeah. big, which is good. That was a really good game, man. Uh, yeah,
0: very uh, immersive. I think yeah. all those games like where you immerse yourself and you create a character like that. I think that's why a lot of people like those types of games because you know you kind of get that escape from reality.
1: And yeah, and then you get that uh, what you call it that immediate satisfaction. Yeah, right. Dopamine? That that we all wish that we can get. Yeah, right. We wish that we work out in two minutes, and then five minutes later we got six pack abs and all that. <laughs> so we kind of live vicariously through CJ. That was his name. We live vicariously through CJ, but it, it don't work that way. No. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't in real life.
0: What games did you play besides? Obviously, you said Vice City. Did you play so any other games
1: besides GTA? then I, you know, I played all the Madden's and all that. That was about it. Like just it was just sports and GTA. Okay. And then once like online gaming started, like I kind of distanced myself from video gaming. That's just a weird to me it's a weird space because you don't know who you're playing against. And yeah, some of them are really young and they're just they're just rude. <laughs> <laughs> they they cuss you
0: out and tell you you're like you're worthless and go yeah, for
1: You know and what I mean? And they, and they they call you all sorts of things and it's just like I can't be in that world because like If it's real life, they wouldn't be talking like that.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. You'd probably just smack them and they'd
1: die. You know, you, know, you know, it's just like, come on, man. It's just like, are we going to do this or are we just going to enjoy a game? Right. Usually, it's, it's, a, it's a bunch, of, it's a bunch it's, of crap. It's serious business to them.
0: I mean, nowadays, people are making millions of dollars playing a game. No, it's kind of nuts. That,
1: uh, that industry.
2: That, all those that's kids what's so that, cool though, dude. I, I feel like that's amazing. Well, not trash talking on video games, but like I think it's amazing that we can make money doing anything. Literally, literally. anything in I mean, the literally, world. Anything, anything anyone could ever think of, you can make money for doing it.
1: Literally, I was uh some dude posted something the other day and he was just like, if you don't get cast, like let's say you go for an audition and you don't get casted, he's like you can just go get you and a couple of buddies and start filming yourself and put your own stuff out. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, are you kidding me? Like there are actors out there that work really hard. And then, you know, like let's say us three, we just felt like putting something out and all of a sudden became popular and we became millionaires. It's just (laughs) just like, you know, overnight it just happens where you have people that's been training in their career and yeah, for years, I, mean,
0: fair, I mean, the barrier to entry is definitely at an all-time low because I mean, if you have a phone, you can pretty much do anything. But yeah. I still feel like you have to have some sort of skill or talent to yeah, yeah, yeah. actually no. break break through and you know actually make money, no, oh, yeah. like make of a livable course. income.
2: So it's like, and of course, I don't I don't mean like you know all of a sudden you can go start climbing trees and start making money, oh. but like. It's one of those things that if it's almost like habits, like you build the habits enough to the point where it's like, dude, I just finished that book, Atomic Habits, and the the author's talking about Steve Martin. and And Chris, you're in theater. Do you know Steve Martin's story at all?
1: Steve Martin. The name sounds familiar. He's, he's Is that cheaper guy. by
2: the dozen guy. Yeah, cheaper by the dozen guy, and he also had like planes, trains, and automobiles. Chris. Yep, that's him, right? Playing strains and automobiles?
0: I'm looking them up right now. Okay. I just know him from Cheaper by the Dozen and Pink Panther.
2: Yeah. yeah I, SNL guy. Yep. I know you. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yep. So James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, was talking about Steve Martin's story. And he's basically saying, like, I'm going to keep it like super short, but he's saying how basically when he was 11 years old back in 1955, he started working for Disney. And then eventually he after a year of working at disney like handing out pamphlets making 50 cents an hour or something like that like he worked in a magic shop and then he was working at for the magic shop and then he he fell in love with entertaining people it wasn't magic and so basically he started just like he would journal and like write jokes and stuff like that and he started doing open mic nights and he'd have like 3 minutes on the open mic and he would just like go through all his jokes that he had and the ones that were the most funny he'd just like keep repeating those at the next open mics and he just started like mastering his craft and then like but he was to the point where like every week he would he would do open mic even if no one was there he had performed at clubs where nobody was in the crowd but he would still perform anyway and eventually like just him doing that led to like bigger gigs and it led to this and it led to that and it like just to the point then he's on snl and now he's got big contract with snl and of course is like back in the 80s or the 90s yeah but you know it, it basically was just like goes to show that like this kid from you know, Sacramento, just this young kid had a dream and he just built the habits and created the life that he wanted and that he dreamed it's, about, you know? And it's, it's like, that's I, it. It doesn't, think, but it doesn't happen overnight. It took 20 years. It, Sorry to cons- yeah, try, that's what i 20 it, years, it's, but. It's con-
1: Consistency, right? In our field, if you're not consistent, you ain't going to get any results. That's what it comes down to. If you're not in there every day doing something, I'm not saying you need to work out every day, but doing something, you ain't going to get to where you want to go. Right.
0: And, and, even, and even if you are consistent too, I think a lot of people just get impatient because they tie in yeah. so much of the end result. Like, yes. you know, like I'm eating healthy for a month or two. I'm working out. How come I'm not seeing... Like my friend Becky lost 40 pounds in four weeks. Like, how come I'm not doing that? And I'm working really hard. And I think when you tie in so much of the end result and not really really enjoy the process of building yeah. the habits. Then sooner or later, right? I mean, you could be consistent for a year and then just fall off the deep end and go back to what you were doing. So it's like, I think consistency is important, but then also getting the mentality around the process and just yeah. getting good at that and focusing on that rather than just the outcome. Because if you put too much on the outcome, right? And you're disappointed with your outcome, you're less likely to be consistent with it going further. Yeah,
1: yeah. You got to love it, man. You, like anything and everything about it. You got to be right there in the moment because the minute you start fighting it, from my experience, the minute you start fighting it, like, oh, why am I doing that, da, 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 that, this and the third, you're losing the battle, right? So it's like, if you got to do 10 reps, you do every single rep, right? Mm-hmm. right? It's the funniest thing. Like If I'm counting 10 to 10, right, and I'm doing my reps, the minute I start thinking about 10, when I'm at three, I lose count. Mm -hmm. But if I go one, two, three, four, and just every single rep, I get all 10.
2: And I think it's like, it's almost like two, like this is kind of a little off track, but same subject. It's like being present. Cause like, I know for me, like I was front squatting the other day. All I had to do was six reps. And, but by three, I'm going, oh shit, I'm only halfway there. Like rather being like one, two, three, four. Like, and then once I hit six, okay, cool. I'm done. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. I, it's, so that's a great like little lesson, even for myself is like being more yeah. present. I'm going to do that with, now with what, being because, present. you know, you go in for that with those sets and it's like, Oh shit, this is going to suck. And it's like already right off the jump. Like that mindset is yeah. already not good. Yeah. <laughs> you you know? got, you got to
1: approach it with some, some love. Just be like, Hey baby, you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't do something right now. And every <laughs> single stroke is just going to be magical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what I was thinking about when I was doing uh, hip thrust the other day.
1: Uh, uh, yeah. that's, that's usually what I think about when I'm squatting. I, I, I yeah. love squatting. Just, Me too, man. Squatting is like the
2: greatest... When I see people you know, who don't do legs, especially men, usually, I feel it's like... Uh, I feel so bad. I'm like, man, you know, the benefits too of squatting and deadlifting. I mean, it's yeah. like... The hormonal benefits, the yeah. you know, just off the off the bat, it's like the increase of growth hormone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like what we want to build muscle and strength. Yeah. So <laughs> you know so men
1: I mean? out there, if you ain't squatting, you ain't doing it right, player. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously, seriously. Now, are um, we talking about just a traditional barbell squat or could it be any sort of squat? Cause what if someone just doesn't have the mechanics or form to do a barbell squat?
1: Oh, I true. mean, yeah. I the, mean, at the pinnacle is the barbell squat. That's where you want to be, right. right? Right. If you don't have the, if you don't have the mechanics, yeah, you know, you throw an SSB bar up there, whatever. Goblet um, squat.
2: Goblet squat. Yeah. Yeah.
1: As long as you, as long as you're squatting.
2: I actually had a, a coach tell me that there's some strength and conditioning coaches out there that say. Nobody, and this is, of course, just the opinion and research yeah. from some coaches is that nobody should be barbell squatting, back squatting until they can goblet squat 15 reps of half their body weight. So like for me, that would be like, let's say 90 pound dumbbell for 15 reps, which yeah, I, I could get that, but that would, I feel like it'd still be pretty gnarly. You know what I mean? That'd be a you should be gnarly. able to bang that out.
1: Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I've never bang I bang.
2: I don't usually goblet. I well, I was doing some Spanish squats around my program right now and I'm I'm yeah. holding goblet, but it's like a super set. Dude, my coach right now, have you guys either you guys know who Charles Poliquin is, right? No. No. Charles Poliquin. he he was uh, known as like the strength sensei. He worked with a lot of like professional hockey players and um uh, he's a big time strength and conditioning coach, but he had a method, the 612 25. So it's literally all drop sets. So for example, I'm going from a barbell front squat for six reps, and then I'm going into a dumbbell step up for 12 reps each side, and then I'm going into a Spanish goblet squat for 25 reps. So it's like a a higher volume, but you're hitting like strength, hypertrophy, and uh, endurance Endurance. all all in a superset. And it's, dude... It's freaking it gnarly. Oh, does it burn, baby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of like a whole other conversation for like training modalities and stuff. But I just was thinking of squatting because we're talking about it.
0: Yeah. And That's, that's like good. a tricep though. Is that so like explain because I'm actually curious for just yeah. even my own training. What's your well, I mean, for? like with the 6, 12, 25, is it more so just like are you picking one muscle group or a movement pattern and you're doing the same throughout or do you do like a push, pull, leg, or like upper, lower, like how would you? So
2: my coach has me doing it as like a Monday's a posterior chain focus. So I'm doing deadlift, deadlift for six reps. And then I'm doing uh, Nordic hamstring curls for 12 and then kettlebell Uh swings for 25. And then I do a dumbbell seal row for six, lat pull down for 12, and then tricep push downs for 25. So it's all posterior chain.
1: It oh, sounds yeah. like it's it's broken down into a compound movement, a big movement, and then some kind of isolating movement.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I can't remember what the third one was. The third um, one's
2: usually like a accessory, like you know, like that makes the on for hamstring. It's kettlebell swing, and then for the upper body, it's tricep pushdowns. on On my anterior focus day, which is Wednesday, I'm doing the squats, the ones I was telling you. Then I'm doing a devil's pushup. Have you guys ever done those?
0: No, uh, no, yo.
2: Guys and anybody listening to this out there, try a set of devil push-ups. There, it's a six-second eccentric, six-second mm. hold, six-second concentric. Ah, so one push-up I like it takes that. eighteen seconds. So I yeah. usually, I got three the other day, which was a PR for me. So I got Damn. three, three reps, and then I go straight into incline dumbbell press, and then straight yeah. into alternating dumbbell curl because it's all higher. Ooh, my, I like dude, the that pump. I had the sickest pump of my life the other day. Mm. It was awesome. Mm. I like that about, method. It's all about the pump,
0: baby. <laughs> it's all about the pump, baby. <laughs> you know, so I think it's, you it's make fun though. I think you make a good point with that tempo, like being able to kind of manipulate the tempo, especially like for people who don't have a gym at home or don't have, a, don't have access to a gym, being able to manipulate the tempo and just going super slow and creating all that time under tension. I mean, your okay. body, right? If you're strong and you can do push-ups, like, cool. But being able to do an 18-second push-up, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Like, Dude, why yeah. would you do that? But it, uh, yeah. it, it yeah. builds strength.
1: Yeah. It, it, yeah. Builds, it builds strength and it also helps with your form, right? So I'm a oh, big advocate for tempo work. Like with the squat, for example, I'm always doing tempo work, especially with my younger athletes so that they can understand the movement pattern. Mm-hmm. It sucks for them at times yeah. when they're going down for four seconds and then they're in the yeah. hole for three and then yeah. they're coming back up for two. Oh. But it teaches them the movement painful. pattern. And that is very important because then when you have them just squat, the um, they, they get it.
2: Butter, yeah. And honestly, yeah. You, know, you bring up a great point pat when you say like how like having minimal equipment is great also working on mechanics because same thing chris when i have yeah. someone i'm teaching someone how to squat you typically my go to is usually like a goblet box squat or a spanish a goblet spanish squat because of having mm-hmm. the bands behind the knees but yep. and it's just like okay we're slowing this down you're coming down for 4 You're going to hold for two and you're going to cut. You can come up quick as long as there's no, your knees aren't knocking in, and you can actually control the concentric portion of the movement, which for people listening, concentric portion is the contraction portion of the, of any movement. And uh, eccentric is the lengthening of the muscle. And then isometric is of course just holding isometrically. So for anyone, you know, we're kind of dropping terms. Like I get, I get checked a lot by Ashley because I'll be talking and she's like, You're saying shit that doesn't make any sense to me. Like you just you're and sometimes I'm just doing it to be like, Yeah, I know this stuff, you know. Transverse abdominis and you know just wave your <laughs> you dangle around <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and it's like, you know, a lot of people don't even care about that. They just want to know, like, hey, what do I do? <laughs> yeah.
1: Just tell <laughs> yeah. me how, how fast I need to go down. Yeah. They don't how long care I about need to how buzz, tight. How tight they I need to come up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: so that brings up an interesting point. I was listening to this podcast and they help personal trainers and fitness coaches like build their business, like online. Because I've been really kind of like into that lately. And they were saying that the coaches that struggle to make money online, specifically online, the coaches that are really smart, they understand anatomy and the mechanics and maybe they went to school for it. Like they have an in-depth knowledge, like they're really good coaches. But sometimes like how Jake, like you were saying, like, you know, you say things because, you know, it's the ego. Like you want to show people, you know, what you're talking about. You want to show you're a professional, right? And you're not just using terms like tone up and, you know, body <laughs> fat. Right. But I mean, but, but if pump. you think, yeah, butt <laughs> pump. But, <laughs> but butt pump. if you think about it, I mean, the general person that's just trying to get into shape, they use those types of words and phrases. And so they were saying on the podcast that, as a coach, you got to speak their language. You know, if, yeah. you're trying to, yeah. you, if you're trying to help people, like you actually do have to speak their language, even though it's like, we know like tone up isn't a thing. You just have less body fat than, yeah. than muscle. You know, yeah. that's how you see the muscle definition. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of got me thinking, and, and you know, I'll have those times where I will say like, transverse abdominal, we're going to do the eccentrics, uh, eccentric isometrics. And, and then, you know, you'll get the client to look yeah, at yeah. you. And then I'll explain it. But I think it's important that us as professionals, like you know, we have to consider where the consumer is and being able to communicate through our content. And when we are speaking, like, hey, I'm going to meet you where you're at because this is how you talk. And that way, you trust me more as an expert because it's like, I already know what you need. I'm going to give you what yeah. you want by talking to you in the way that you want, but also bringing you in as a way to help you. Right, it, crea- f- it
1: also creates a level of trust, right? Yeah. Yes. If I'm throwing all these words at you, and I know you don't understand, it you make it, me feel so stupid. Just, yeah, oh, it throws crazy. you off, and it's very intimidating, right? Yeah. yeah. For we sure. should be we should be open. We should be you know offering, right? We should be more of a someone that people can go to, right? If they're too afraid to go to you because. You know, you're going to talk about concentric, eccentric, isometric, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Movements then they're going to be like, well, you know what? Maybe this dude is too technical for me. Yeah. And I need someone that's more down to earth or whatever. Who
2: can just speak my language. I've heard a lot of coaches and a lot of people, not even just in our industry, say that like, if we're unable to explain something in layman terms, terms yeah. we probably don't truly understand it because it's yeah. Like, you know if you got to re- recite from a from a science book what's going on it's like you really understand it so it's like that's why i think it's so important too like another thing for us as coaches is to really understand what we're telling people and then being able to break it down and there are some people who want to know oh mm-hmm. why why are you doing this why are you telling me to suck my belly button to my spine and Clench my butt. Sometimes I'll say to people, Squeeze your butt like you're trying to crack a walnut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, depending on the client, you know, not, not everybody's going to take lightly to that. But uh, I actually told one of my clients I was cracking up. Maybe you guys will find this funny. Maybe not. I think I, sometimes I say things that are hilarious, but I told them, uh, Yo, you got a family of squirrels out there, man. You got to crack these acorns. Make sure you're squeezing that butt. So,
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um you, a, a good one is by the great Ed Cohen, Hall of Fame powerlifter Open your taint oh that's a cue for squatting oh. and it's probably the best cue and it's basically telling the individual to open their hips when they squat.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Awesome. So they can, so they can
1: sink deeper, deeper into the, like, the, deeper into the squat, like drive the knees out almost in a way. No, Not even, it's not even driving the knees out, right? It's yeah, just you're opening, opening your tank, tank, bro. And the knees will end up doing what it needs to do. Right. Depending yeah. on your body type. But when you oh open the tank, you get a cleaner line when you're squatting. Right. Damn, bro. So open that tank, baby. Let me see it.
0: Bam. Low key though, like that's fucking genius. Right. It is genius. It, it's wow. It's, uh, it's, it's,
1: people can it's, actually
0: say that too, though. Yeah, I
1: try to keep that to my male clients. <laughs> I don't think it'll go too well with female clients. Like, hey, open that tank when you squat. They'll be like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's going up too well, man. You might get a uh, restraining order.
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> a, yeah. So I,
0: I try to, I try to,
1: I try to back off of that. But um, yeah, it's a really good cue and. And that's what—that's basically putting something in layman's terms, right? Yeah. That's as bare as it can get. Yeah, literally. Or, or and it's yeah. a good and it's, and it's and it's a good cue.
0: I really like for teaching people how to hip hinge. Another good cue I like to use is: uh, imagine you have a couple bags of groceries, and so mm-hmm. you're trying to close your car door with your butt because you know you got to push your butt out, close the car Ooh, door. That's a good one. Oh yeah. Or if someone has the occasional rounded back and they. You know when they're hinging, they can't really maintain that neutral position. I'll just mm-hmm. say, imagine there's like a cup of tea, like on your back, and you want to make sure you make sure you don't spill that tea. Because as you're kind of in this hinged position, when you get down to your like an RDL or something like that, you want to make sure your back is nice and flat. So keep that cup of tea mm. nice and upright. You don't want to spill the tea. You
1: know, what I'm yeah. saying? I like that. Love don't that. spill the tea. Love that. Don't spill I, the tea. I, like I, that. That's always
2: a tough one is teaching somebody how to hip hinge. You know, I always say like mine go-to is like soft bend at the knees and try to touch your butt to the wall, bend at your hips. Like you just want your butt to touch the wall. You know, I, I, I'm always curious about better ways to cue that one. Yeah.
1: Because it's such a natural movement. That's why it's a hard one to, to cue up.
2: Well, you know what? It's one of the most natural, but it's like one of the biggest ones that I can't do, you know, because of just muscular imbalance. And Mm -hmm. I think like that goes to another point is, I think a lot of times too, with men, especially, well, no, women too, like is working on stretching and mobilization because if that stuff's not being done, then certain movement patterns literally can't be accomplished because the body is literally stuck. Like, you know, like someone with really tight hip flexors with an anterior pelvic tilt, you know, it's like, yeah. And the other thing that's
1: important with stretching and stuff is just, you have to go through the movement. Mm-hmm. you have to, like if for some reason you can't squat, you should be doing at least 20 air squats every single day. Right. Just yeah. so that your body can just get used to the movement. If you just yeah. squat, whenever you come into the gym, it's going to take forever for you to, yeah. you to actually squat. So I, sometimes I just send people homework with, with homework and just be like, before you go to bed tonight, just do like 10 air squats. Yeah. And do that every day.
0: I, literally the nervous I, system has to repattern itself. Yeah. I think with even giving people that homework, like you were saying, Chris, like what I like to do with clients that, you know, have sedentary lifestyles, they work from home or they work at a desk. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you're constantly in yeah. that flex position in your hips. I like to do supersets of a couch hip flexor stretch or like a yeah. rear, rear foot elevated stretch. Yeah. Superset that with a bridge. A floor bridge, or I like to sometimes have their feet elevated so they can get more hip extension, and then do a squat. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll put in a lateral band walk, like with a mini band, to get yeah. like more of those external rotators activated. So then I'll just basically superset hip flexor stretch with glute activation, and then they'll go into a squat. And then now it's like, oh dang, they feel the glutes. Their hip flexors are nice and stretched out, so they can actually sit back and and I find out that a pretty good combination of exercises too
1: that's something and then you you just see the and you see the results right session by session if they're doing their homework you see it because now their body is learning how to move in that way and it starts adapting to the movement which is good I, i was gonna bring something up are you guys on linkedin yeah yeah do you guys get hit up by those lead generation companies you know what? I don't check LinkedIn enough. Like I don't,
0: Dude, I don't have. Me neither. I don't it is, Enough. It's crazy out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Does someone scare you, Chris? Nah, nah, no, no, hell no. Ain't nobody scaring me. But here, here's my thing. So there, there are companies out there that go after, you know, small companies, right? Like myself, right? To basically they'll generate leads for you. So they'll generate online clients for you. And, you know, there's a fee associated to it. So it's like 35 bucks per lead, right? And so they'll, they'll hit you up. They'll be like, oh, do you need this? We can grow your company 10 times X, whatever, all that, all that crap. And it's just like, I went into business so that I can do this work, right? So now me bringing you in <laughs> to, to what I'm trying to do, for me, I lose the actual grunt work that needs to be done.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, the work in the trenches.
1: Yeah. like In order for me, and this is me personally, in order for me to learn something, I got to get my hands dirty. Yeah. I got to be out there in the trenches. I got to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I'm like, are people actually doing this? Like, Are people actually buying these leads and and working with these companies? And I'm just like, dude. and
0: Some people people are just just,
2: driven by money.
0: Well, Um, no, I I don't think that. I I think they're just more impatient and really want certain results faster. I mean, that's why people buy like, you know, diet fads or or they buy detox teas and stuff like that. Cause it promises them like you're going to lose X amount of pounds in like five days, you know, or something like that. Become a
1: a six figure online coach in six months. 30 days. Yeah.
2: You know what it is though? You know, it's funny cause I was thinking back to what literally what we were just talking about, like consistency is like, it's the same thing. Like, Whether it's business, whether it's health, whether it's whatever it is, there's no quick fix that is actually sustainable. You know what I mean? Like, even if you do that, you pay this company to bring you in more leads. And I guess for some scenarios, it may work for some businesses. But when trying to build a a business organically and authentically and genuinely, I would rather do the work in the trenches and know what it took to get to where I want
1: to go. And, exactly,
2: and kind of be like, oh yeah, I'll pay. I mean, sometimes that's yeah. Just,
1: just imagine, just imagine talking to like a mentee or something, and be like, yeah, how'd, how'd you how'd you grow your business? Well, I spoke to X company and they they provided me a thousand leads, and I paid yeah. you know twenty k for them, and now I'm I'm a millionaire. Yeah, right. It's like, like yes, yeah, is isn't it, that it, easy?
2: <laughs> yeah, and then it's like really, it's about the process. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like I feel like that's one of those sayings that's super mainstream. Like trust the process like it's it's about the process not the destination or the journey but it's it's actually really true like it's it's about going through the shit that it takes to get to where you are to be able to appreciate it you know so it's like having stuff handed like that like you know quick fix boom oh i lost 50 pounds in 2 months or whatever and then i gained 60 pounds back it's like cool did you even enjoy that no you were actually miserable the entire yeah. Two months, and that's why you went yeah. back to your old habits. It's there was no habit change, there was no consistency, there was no work, there was no doing it even on the days you didn't want to do it. It was just it yeah. was just easy to have a quick fix. So it's like, yeah. dude, you bring up an
0: interesting point. I just got this book. You guys heard of Doctor Jade uh, Tita? No. Tita. Nah. Tita. Teta? No, Teta, No. T E T A. He's called. It's called Human 365. It's basically one of those books where they're like daily meditations, affirmations that you read every day. Um, Jade Tito? Yeah, Jade Tito.
2: I'm going to write this down. I'm I'm probably going to get that book.
0: Basically, he kind of breaks down the book and the practices to be a next level human. And so the, what is it? Six practices are perception, ownership, wisdom, engagement, resolve, and sharing. And within all these different topics, he kind of has different excerpts and different kind of passages that relates to each one of those. So that's kind of how the book's formatted. But what you kind of said as far as like, you know, enjoying the process, enjoying the journey, like I think a lot of times people really don't understand where happiness comes from because like Mm. they're chasing that external result. Like, I'm gonna be happy when I lose twenty pounds or thirty pounds or when I squat twice my body weight. And you know, you derive this emotion from something that has yet to happen yet. And even when you do accomplish it, you're not really going to feel happy. You're not even going to feel like you can enjoy it because then it's like, okay, I'm here. Now what? Like, what's next, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so there's a, there's a passage in the book. I'll, I'll have to find it another time and send it to you guys. But he was basically saying that happiness comes from struggle. It comes from pain and overcoming the struggle and pain. Because in life, we all have problems, right? You know, to build a business or to find a partner, to have a better education or a better career, better friendships, right? And these problems, right? Once you've solved it, it kind of levels you up to another problem, right? Now it's like, okay, how do I get a house? How, How can I employ employees and build my business? How can I, you know, help, you know, Millions of people across the world were personal trained. Like right now, your problem elevates and it gets to another degree. And so your happiness derives from constantly solving problems in your life. And what's funny is with all these quick fixes and these you know short-term fads, it's like even though you get the result and you might get the result and maybe you sustain it for a period of time, eventually you're still not happy. Like you're not content with the work that you did because you knew. You know, like, okay, like I just did this detox tea. I just did this really hardcore diet. Like I did the extreme end of something to get this result. And I'm still not happy. I still feel Mm -hmm. like shit. I don't feel better about myself, right? You're still insecure. And all these emotions and things tie in now to your lack of actually truly solving that problem because, right? Mm -hmm. Happiness is going to come from actually really working on yourself and actually solving the problems doing the work, doing the actual, going through the actual struggle, you know, putting in the time and, and being patient. So, so that's, yeah,
1: man. that's why I'm just going to talk about society real quick. That's why as a society, we have this crazy addiction problem because we're constantly looking for the quick fix. We're like, Oh, how can I stop drinking? Well, take this droplet, Boop. <laughs> stop drinking for, for 30 days. And then all of a sudden you relapse. That's why people always relapse, yeah. right? Because the real work happens in here.
2: Yeah,
1: internally. <laughs> it don't happen anywhere else. No. It has to happen in here. If you don't take the time to do the work in here, it's a, it's a wrap. Yeah. It's a wrap. You're going to regress back to that person that you were. Yeah. Right? And you can apply that to anything, yeah. right? You can apply that to... Me, for example, with powerlifting. If I become so obsessed with a certain number and it's all about that number and what I'm doing has nothing to do with me internally, by the time I get that number, I'm still going to feel like crap.
2: Yeah. And the other thing too is like, I heard this the other day and this was really powerful to hear because I related to this on many levels is that you know when we become so identified with one thing and then we lose that thing, we no longer even know. Like for me, for a very long time, I was very identified with how strong I was, how big I looked. And when I had injuries and I, it led me to have to stop working out because I had to heal myself, I yep. had to let go of that. I had to lose size, lose muscle mass, You know, not have this, this body that I thought was going to bring me happiness and, and be like, wow, who am I without strength training? If there was no strength training, who the hell am I? Oh shit, I don't even know. I've identified myself with working out for so long and this, you know, this thing that I have to really figure out what you know what's going on inside here,
1: what's yeah, gonna bro, make me happen. This what you see here is nothing because eventually that fades to nothing, yeah. to dust. It's to a meat suit. Right. So then if we don't get in contact with the something, the thing that's driving all of this, where the energy truly comes from. Then anytime something happens to this physical form we're destroyed. Yep. Right.
2: Yep. That's facts. I think uh, I think that's that's a good place to drop.